Uh, well, uh, good morning to you. Um, it's lovely to be back in Romans, um, and the observance of you will note that the readings moved on slightly from the last three weeks, uh, but we're still in those first uh, 11 verses or so of Romans chapter 5. Uh, let's pray as we approach the text, and then I've got two images to share with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace poured out upon us, and we pray that today, during this talk and this service, that we will experience your grace without limit poured out upon us, that you might give us the gift of insight and wisdom and knowledge and understanding, that we might be attentive to what you say and order our lives accordingly. Through Jesus' name, amen. The focus of our our talk this week is going to be the uh, final verses read, 9 through 11. And the two images I have uh, for you come from the world of uh, Strictly Come Dancing, which was still playing on the TV this morning as my uh, children finished off last night's epic-length show. And uh, one of being up the creek without a paddle. So that's where we're heading today. Um, Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what we can boast in. Um, And the word boast has turned up three times in Romans 5, 1 through 11. Uh, Tonight's passage, or today's passage, rounds off by saying that our big boast, our big shout, is God through Jesus reconciling us to himself. And you might remember that reconcile is a loaded word. To be reconciled to something implies a degree of mutuality. I can't be reconciled to an ant. (laughs) The ant and I can't share feelings together, regardless of popular TV cartoon programs. <laughs> to be re- I can be reconciled to my father. I can be reconciled to a colleague. I can be reconciled to a sibling or to my child. And the very fact that the word reconciliation is used of God's relationship to us shouts something enormous down through history. It says that the unknowable, unsurpassable, unfathomable God has a degree of mutuality with you and me. Is that not incredible? Although we are like ants on the ground before the mighty God for whom earth is his footstool, although he could just tread on us and squash us, there is a mutuality between us that we can be reconciled to him however little we deserve it. And no other religious or philosophical system has that possibility in it, that you can have that relationship with God, that reconciliation with God. But this doesn't come cheap in Romans. Uh, Let's recap. In week one, we were talking about the boast being in the hope of the glory of God. And we said that there were two ways that we could get that hope. One, that God does. And secondly, how we respond to what God does. What does God do? Well, he puts in the vast majority of the action. That's what we call his kindness or his grace, to give it the technical term, his grace. We put in just a little response step, and that's our faith. So it's like on the early weeks on Strictly Come Dancing. There's a professional dancer providing training, choreography, moves, costume, music, time, skill, and steps. And a hapless celebrity steps out in faith that if they follow their leader, they won't look totally foolish on national TV. We are the hapless follower, the John Sargent of yesteryear's programme. 
Jesus is the Christina Rianahoff, the dancer. And it's his grace that makes us look infinitely better than we can possibly have done on our own. The second week, we talked about how our boast was that we got to be a bit like our lead partner. As we put in the hard yards of training and suffering, we boasted in the suffering, knowing that it was producing perseverance, character, and hope in us, and space for that little je ne sais quoi, which is the Holy Spirit poured into our hearts, filling our personal life deficits with love, love, love. But in week three last week, the dancing analogy got even more extreme. Yes, we've been paired with an expert partner. That is grace. That's kindness to us. Yes, we want to imitate them through hard training. Yes, we're grateful that they've chosen to dance with us, put in the time, the moves, the choreography, the costume, etc. But now we know what it cost the professional to pick us out of the lineup in the first place. Now, we've begun to understand that we've begun a dance with someone that we've been lifelong enemies with. Rarely, we're told, will anyone pick an inadequate dance partner for a competition. Though, if they are a celebrity, they might somehow be persuaded to, for the fame, etc. But our lead partner in the dance shows his love for us in this. While we were trying to destroy his dance and were inwardly and outwardly hostile to everything he had created, he picked us out of the lineup, knowing it would cost him his time, his reputation, and ultimately his life. We're told that it cost him everything to take us on as his dance partner. Now, analogies can go too far, but you see the point. Firstly, it is so kind that Jesus would pick you as a partner. Because spiritually speaking, you you can't dance. Secondly, it's so kind that Jesus would train you as a partner when it cost him so much to train you and take you on. Thirdly, it's unbelievably kind that Jesus would come and drag you out of what is a spiritual gutter when you were face down in the sewage. Fourthly, It's incredible that he even thought he could turn you into a dancing prince or princess. Fifthly, it's utterly beyond comprehension that he would do that at a cost to himself of everything he held dear. Sixthly, it's even more beyond comprehension that in paying the price, he would be despised and rejected by everyone who he had loved and invested in, for you and for me. Seventhly, it is mind-blowing when you realize that when he drank in your sin and mine, he went from the perfect lord of the dance to being the epitome of evil on the cross. He who had no sin became sin. He became the epitome of evil so that evil could be defeated through his death once and for all. Eighthly, it is one of the great truths of Christian theology that in that choice, your sin was substituted for his perfection and his perfection substituted for your sin so that you can join in the dance without a blemish on you. And ninthly and lastly, 
It is the greatest spiritual mystery of all that the dancing Lord becomes the gutter merchant for you and me, dying utterly forsaken so that you do not have to be forsaken, wrenched from relationship with God so that you and I, we can be in relationship with God. And now you're on Strictly Come Dancing with the master dancer. You're dressed up to the nines. You're adopted as his partner. You're named before the crowd and the angels as the partner of the great creator of dancing, the Lord of the dance himself. So so what should you fear? What should you fear? What's there left to be afraid of? Well, how about, what, what if it all goes wrong in the next life? What if it goes wrong in the next life? Maybe the show's only good for now. Maybe it sort of helps us on this journey. But how can I be sure that there's a hope for eternity? That I can have confidence in where I'm going? What if the grace doesn't stretch that far? What if my faith falters? Does the magic stop working? And like Cinderella, do my dreams turn back to rags, mice and pumpkins? Is this all going to end at midnight at my death? And that's exactly the question verses 9 through 11 are posing and answering for us. It's a good question to ask. After all, it's clear in the passage that we have been God's enemies. We have been at war with him. And and you have to understand, this isn't a one-sided war. It's not just that we've been against him. He has also been against us. It's ever so important to realize the plight that we've been in. If you look at the argument in Romans 1, 18 through 32, you can see why. We keep rebelling against God, and eventually in that chapter it says that uh, he, he isn't a passive punch bag forever. He doesn't just keep coming at us like an abused um, child or spouse and go, come on, keep hitting me. The scripture says that God is slow to anger, not that he has no anger. And when we keep rebelling against him, eventually he says, okay. And in the language of Romans chapter 1, he does something a bit like shove us up the creek a bit further in the boat that we've been happily paddling up the creek anyway. We have been his enemies, and he hands us over, hands us over, hands us over three times in Romans 1 for wrath. Now, just as an aside, because this is... A difficult word in our 21st century world. We also need to understand that God's wrath is one of the great reliefs of Christian theology. Far from being a a great Christian tragedy, it is actually one of the great blessings of the scripture. Thank goodness that we have a God who won't ultimately tolerate all the terror and pain of this world. Thank goodness we have a God who doesn't say, oh, it's fine. I didn't really mind what you did to that girl the other day. 
or how you treated that fellow that you passed in the street. Thank goodness that there is some payback to come for the suffering and sin imposed on innocence by an unjust people and systems. Thank goodness we have a God who will ultimately do something about it and right every wrong and avenge the brokenhearted. And you may have heard me before talk about Jackie Pullinger's experiences when she went to Calcutta and saw streets of child prostitutes and cried out, God, what are you going to do about this? And the reassurance of knowing that there was judgment to come, but also that that judgment had been fully met on the cross of Jesus for anyone who would repent and ask him to take their place. So wrath in scripture is not a bad thing. It's a great relief of Christian theology. But it's not a great thing to be heading towards. And when God, when God shoves us up the creek, we've been paddling towards. He does this in a way that a good parent sometimes packs the bags and drives their, um, their rebellious teenager to the station when they know it's probably going to end in disaster. They want that one last contact of tearful goodbye with their stony-hearted rebel, hoping that they'll come to their senses and one day return of their own accord. See, God's wrath is not the big story of God. It's just a tiny fraction. The big story is that he wants us to turn back, and he wants this so much, he's prepared to wade up that creek swim up the creek grab hold of our little boat and kick and push it back until he gets it into the clear waters where he can wash it clean in a beautiful waterfall of his love it's a lovely image that he would rescue us up the creek where we don't have a paddle it's just it's not quite so lovely because the journey cost him everything. He doesn't just come out smelling of the creek. He gives his life pushing our rowboat back out of the creek. That's what he's done. He died to get us out of the creek. We have set our faces on journeying up without the paddle. He redeems us, he sets us free, and he washes us in the water of his love, which is really washing us in his blood shed on the cross so that we can be just as clean as he ever was, and so that we can live and work with him. And Paul here in Romans 5 says, if he's done all that, if he's done all of that for you, do you think he's going to let you go again? By no means. Not a chance. No way, Jose. The creek couldn't keep the only truly good man ever down. He's come back to life now, and he's in the boat with you. And if he's in the boat, destination is secure. Here's the text again. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, Shall we be saved through his life? If he has put in all those hard, 
miles to save you. He is not, Romans argues, going to leave you on judgment day. So do not fear. If he's in the boat with you, the boat gets a free pass onto heaven's glorious river of life. And the boat can paddle all the way upstream to God's great temple. That is the easy part. The hard part was redeeming you. Keeping you safe is the easy part, by contrast. If he's made you his dance partner, he's not going to abandon you before the finals. He's done the hard part. Sticking with you is the easy part. Don't be afraid. And so what then is our boast in the face of this incredible story, this incredible journey, this incredible being chosen, this incredible redemption, this incredible rescue mission? Our hope and our boast comes in the last verse. Not only is all this true, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Friends, if you have been reconciled to Jesus and to God, he's putting you in a relationship with himself that we'll hear later nothing can separate you from. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things to come, nor things in this world. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You were, it's true, heading towards wrath of your own making. But it's even more true that he can swim faster than you can paddle in the wrong direction. And he came to rescue you at utter cost to himself. And having done that, He's not going to let you go. Future secure, heaven assured, because of his grace, activated just by your faith. And with that activation, we'll close now in a final prayer. We've been praying this prayer every sermon this month. This thank you, sorry, please prayer. That's our little activation of faith that buys us all of that rescue that makes us the dance partner. And if you've still not prayed that prayer, if you're still not sure where you're going, if you're not still not sure that the sins have been forgiven, why not make this your prayer today? Thank you for dying for me. Sorry for my sins. Please come into my heart by your Holy Spirit and make me your dance partner. Make me clean again. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for the gospel of Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. I'm sorry for all of the sins that get between me and you. Please forgive me. And please come into my heart by the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,